Digital. Student-centred. Creative. Innovation. Imagination. Initiative. Stories that matter. I'm Jo Elliott, and this is Tales of Teaching Online, brought to you by Deakin Learning Futures. Hello, everybody, and thank you for joining us today. Um, Today, we're going to take a little bit of a step back to um, a previous episode. So in episode eight last year, um, I spoke to Karen Powell from the Deakin Law School um, about using a design sprint methodology to create an online law clinic. At that point, Karen hadn't actually run the online clinic yet. So now I'm catching up with her again um, to hear about how it went um, and uh, what she learned along the way. Karen, thank you so much for joining us once again. Thanks for having me, Jo. Um, So just as a bit of a refresher, um, your online law clinic, um, it was a project that you had running um, through some HEP funding um, before COVID even hit. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about why it was that you wanted to um, to develop an online law clinic? Why is it important for your students? So my co-author, Nicole Siller, and I have been talking over the last couple of years, having both been um, teaching in law clinics, both in Australia and in the United States. And we realized that um, we both believe that students really benefit from an experiential education opportunity uh, while they're still studying so that they get the opportunity to bridge from their law studies to law practice not only because it gives students the opportunity to see what they get to look forward to in their career, um, but also because I fundamentally believe in the way that we um, learn best is when we have the opportunity to experience something, reflect on it, engage in it, and then think about our our practice, um, which of course comes into the type of um, work that you probably enjoy in the idea of, uh, of learning spaces. So with that, um, both Nicole and I are quite passionate about um, legal education in the context of true service opportunities. And that's what happens in a law clinic. So in a law clinic, the students get um, real live clients. They get to engage in real uh, practice areas supervised by uh, legal practitioners. But there's a downside to it. Um, It's typically, a law clinic is typically held in person. Um, It's typically held in a single location and students come in for one to two days a week at Deakin and are able to see clients, interview clients and work on real client matters. Um, But that doesn't work for every student. And so as we all know at Deakin, we have a high number of students who study solely in the cloud. And we also know that students that study in the cloud tend to have quite busy lives. So a bit of the research and the data tells us that students in the cloud are are working, uh, they have carer responsibilities, uh, and they have a lot of things going on in their life. So even if they were able to attend a clinic in person, um, statistically, it's much more difficult for them. And so we wanted to make sure that we were thinking as broadly as possible about how do we engage the most number of students in law clinics um, that we think are so important to their educational development as lawyers. 
So that's how we came to trying to figure out what it would look like to offer an online law clinic. And what is it from a pedagogical perspective that we needed to be able to translate from an in-person um, experience to an online experience? And while there's been quite a bit of, of work and development on um, what we might think of as a typical classroom experience, we'd found very few opportunities for students to really engage in an online um, experiential educational opportunity. So all of that happened before COVID hit. And once COVID hit, um, we actually thought that not only was our work even more relevant, um, but we were going to be able to model um, our development process in a fully online type of way. So everything that we did to design the course, we had to move entirely online. So we had a sort of a dual learning opportunity. How do we design online for online learners? We went through that process um, for much of last year. And then in T1, um, in the first trimester, we, uh, I taught the first uh, iteration of this unit. We've taken off trimester two and we'll offer it again in trimester three and ongoing. Um, so we're pretty excited uh, to share our, our learnings with, with you. Fantastic. Um, and if I remember correctly, through the um, design sprints process, you came up with a really quite a collaborative um, unit where students are going to be working collaboratively on um, parts of larger projects, but also doing some um, individual work in an area of interest as well, alongside some career development modules. So how did it go? Uh, what were students actually working on? How did they respond? Um, tell us all about T1. <laughs> That's a big question to unpack. And uh, yes, the, we had a great student cohort. Um, I was delighted to be able to work with 25 students. That's about double what we had seen in our law clinics um, before. So it was a little bit larger cohort and probably a little bit, a few more students than would have been ideal. So I think we're still working on what's the ultimate number of students. And, and the reason that I bring that up is that when uh, I re-engineered the assessments so that they would have the same learnings that students would see in an in-person law clinic, we needed to make some change changes to recognize that our student cohort was different and they were learning online. So I wanted to make sure that students had um, choice within, I'd say, maybe 30% of their assessment options. And then they had large group projects um, and a few small individual projects for about 60% of their assessment. And their student, while they had a broad student choice in the type of work they wanted to do, I encouraged those students to think strategically about how they might apply their choices to the larger group project. So um, I, I basically, um, uh, so we were working on, um, the idea of judicial bias within our court system. And so there was a submission to um, the ALRC uh, at the end of our trimester, and we were going to be doing a group submission from the clinic. So the end product for this clinic was 
um, a submission from Deakin Law Clinic students around judicial bias. And of course, that's particularly relevant because law students are not only the public who are affected by um, potential issues in um, judicial sort of um, bias questions, but also they're the future of the law profession and ultimately will be sitting judges. So they brought uh, to um, the submission a number of different perspectives. And we really wanted to be able to reflect those perspectives. So students had the opportunity to research and engage on the specific pieces that might be of importance to them individually, and then also collectively work within groups for the submission. So they did have quite a broad student choice in a number of their projects. We heard some really fascinating research projects from our students. And then those were all collectively brought together at the end of the trimester in a, a larger uh, group work piece. So that idea of student choice and students being able to choose what they focused on, um, but also how they worked as well, that was feedback that came out um, came from students during the design process itself, which is often great for some students, but others can find it a little bit more difficult, certainly in my experience, to kind of get their heads around what does that choice actually mean and what boundaries are they operating within? Um, did that come through for, for your students as well? What kind of support did you find you needed to, to provide to assist them with, with making those choices, um, both on selecting their research topics, but also how they tackled them and how they worked as groups, given some of their, their different circumstances? Uh, you are um, absolutely correct, Joe. It was certainly a challenge for our students. Um, so as a quick refresher, uh, last year we went through a design sprint process where we essentially modeled out the key question for the law clinic and then ran a prototype to students. So we um, took a set of students and said, what do you want to see? And so uh, as Joe's referencing, students really wanted to see some choice in their assessment models. So when I took that back and we thought about our assessments, the idea would be that students could choose um, a series of research projects and then they could um, move those research projects together with their group work um, to come to what might be the um, kind of the, the best uh, submission that we that we could create. And um, as imagined, uh, students like choice in the um, abstract and find it quite challenging in the specific. So um, as well as being quite passionate about the pieces that they researched and then trying to work those pieces together with other students to come to an end product. So to manage um, those two different streams, uh, I think in our um, second week, we did quite an intensive uh, module on teamwork. And um, law students are not often exposed to teamwork or they're less exposed to teamwork than we might see across business and law students together um, or in other disciplines. So for our law students, the intensive teamwork was um, a bit, newer to a number of those. And so we worked through some very specific models that were designed exactly for law students in teamwork. So 
our teams drafted team contracts. And within that team contract, uh, we talked about um, all of the elements of a contract that a lawyer needs to know, and then how we apply those to teamwork um, and how we balance the concept of individual needs with the larger group experience. And the feedback from the students was really quite fantastic. So um, law students study contracts typically in their first year. And we learn about offer acceptance, right? So I give you an offer and you accept it and we've somehow made a contract. But they haven't come back to it for a while to think about the specifics of it. So I say, we've got a contract because we've got um, some relationships that you need to build within this classroom experience and we need an end product. And so it was a great opportunity for them to tackle the specifics of um, an actual uh, piece of legal writing and a legal concept, but within the confines of, of building relationships as well. So we had to talk about the idea of, uh, look, you want everybody to contribute to your group project, but what happens if someone is ill or has care responsibilities? Um, what's the hard line? How do you navigate that? What kind of communication schedules do you need to have? And what does a contract look like when you have ongoing relationships? And that's a great way to talk about something that we see in family law. So if you, if you were a lawyer and going to work in family law, you might need to consider quite carefully that um, creating um, any type of parental schedule, these are people who will be um, working together at a bare minimum for the 18 years of a child's life. So I found that students are really engaged when you're able to give them this type of practical experience and that helped them build their concepts around teamwork. And um, for our cloud students, um, almost every student said that this was the closest they had ever come to other students in their legal pathway. So all of our cloud students created these really personal connections that they'll be able to take out into practice. And so we're, I think, collectively quite proud of our teamwork in this cohort. And then speaking to the individual choice, as I said, we were looking at um, judicial bias questions and the students of their own volition um, Many of them really leaned into the idea that the current judicial bench is fairly um, conservative, older, um, typically Caucasian, and of no direction of mine. Almost every student was like, this does not reflect our student body. And so many of our students kind of delved into different parts of this research, which I found quite interesting because it, um, it also wasn't um, tied to the student's own identity. So as a collective, they, they tended to lean towards wanting to take a look at that. And then people headed off in different directions and looked at comparative law. So they might go and look at a jurisdiction where they had personal connections. So we had, um, research on New Zealand law. We had research on uh, law coming out of the UK. We had research from some of our Asian countries that we don't often see. So if people had connections, home connections to different places, they were bringing in a lot of really interesting work. And it really lightened up the type of work they were doing because they got to learn about comparative law in a way that they got to choose. And, um, and that made the class much richer. 
So the two individual projects that the students had were an individual research project, and then they actually did um, an individual presentation. So we did it in a very rapid style. Students had three minutes, no more than three slides, and they got to present on um, something around judicial bias. And they had um, did that in the middle of the trimester. And across the board, really fascinating. Um, bringing it back to tying that type of student choice into law learnings, our students also did um, a module on interviewing clients. So uh, one of the skills that we think about as lawyers is being able to interview clients to get a certain type of information out of them and still create a connection. So we used our rapid flat fire um, presentations by students to also learn about interviewing. So the students would ask each other questions and they had to ask the question based on what they learned about client interviewing. So they were able to develop so you'd give your presentation and then on a different day, you would be a questioner and you would have to create a question um, that was based on um, the type of skills that we had learned in interviewing. So it might be a funnel type of question or building. And then we could bring all of that research together into a final product. And I think our final product was, um, was rich and quite interesting because of it. I love that idea of getting students actively involved in listening to um, others' presentations as well and using um, that as a learning experience um, in and of itself. Um, and of course, one of the big um, I guess objectives of uh, the clinic was um, to help students explore what it means to be a lawyer and um, what it means to, to work as a lawyer. So I thought it was really interesting what you were saying about uh, law students typically having few opportunities to work within teams um, because of course I imagine that's something they're they're likely to do quite a lot of um, when they they graduate and um, certainly for for um, many of them they will be working as part of of a legal team um, so uh, great to hear them having having that experience um, and I'm just thinking about the the environment in which we we teach and our students are learning has has changed through COVID, um, and of course that was picked up in um, how you ended up uh, designing and then running the clinic. Um, but then the environment in which we work and your students are going to end up working has changed as well. So did you end up needing to make any tweaks or have conversations with students around um, those kind of changes and that idea of, of legal practice and what it might look like going forward? Um, so the two ways that we tackled some of the um, focus on uh, future, uh, the future integration of the uh, of these students into the legal profession was in in two parts. So within the um, unit itself, we have um, a module on um, sort of career preparation, and I I use that as a bookend through the entire trimester. So at the beginning, I say everything that I've designed in this unit is designed to support you moving into the, the workplace. And so I try to always tie back 
our learnings to bringing into the workplace. So all of our modules around client interviewing, legal drafting, of course, I say, you know, this, this is the type of thing that you'll see in your work. And we work on um, talking about uh, being a legal professional as not just being a lawyer, but perhaps being um, a policy specialist or working in HR or being in the C-suite or what, however you're going to, you know, say you want to be an artist and you still have a law degree, how do you manage your own contracts? So I spend a quite a bit of time trying to talk about transferability of the skill set that we're learning. So that's baked into the modules themselves. And then we have a specific, a specific employment module at the end of the trimester. And I flag that material for the students early on in case they are looking for employment through that trimester. Um, so um, we, we brought in um, a guest speaker. Uh, students really, really enjoyed getting an opportunity to talk to one of our alumni who sits on our advisory board. Um, and so that is a focus for how can they take the learnings that they've had into the real world. The second prong to that is um, those of us who have been uh, working online for the last couple of years, um, some of us longer than others, uh, we use certain tools and have become quite accustomed to certain tools uh, and the style of tools for online work. And so those um, are what most of us think about, right? So Zoom, um, we might use some sort of management software, software, whether it be Confluence or Microsoft Teams or Slack or something like that. So we wanted to bring the students into um, a professional environment where they could start to learn about the tools that they might see in their workplace. Um, professional emails, you know, all of the range of those types of skills. Um, and um, if they were working, say they were working remotely, that they would be able to navigate relationships remotely, all of those things. So we tied Microsoft Teams into uh, Cloud Deacon. And we ran, a mic we ran everything in our unit out of Microsoft Teams. And then we ran all of our um, seminar materials and modules in Cloud Deacon. We modeled it with our students and they thought it was quite a fine system and worked quite well. But I must say that I thought there were some breakdowns when we actually had students come and start the trimester. And so we had a bit of a rocky start, I would say. Um, we, I think perhaps myself as an educator who's likely a bit older than many of my students, um, when we think about digital natives, we somehow think about digital natives. I think about digital natives in a way that I think is just not true. So digital natives who are the age of my kids um, or, or um, younger than me, they're very accustomed to social media, to their life being online, um, to navigating through a phone. They are less accustomed to the work realities of working on a laptop, of using email, of integrating the type of professional systems that those of us who have been in the workplace are a little more accustomed to. And I think that I missed that divide at the beginning. So after the first week or two, when I realized that students just didn't understand the frameworks of Microsoft Teams, even though we had given them 
the learning opportunities to do so. They just didn't really like get it. Um, so I, I took a step back and spent a seminar um, sharing my screen and walking through what uh, a typical employee sees when they're at a digital workplace. And once we had worked through that system, then the students felt much more comfortable in, um, in learning that type of, of framework and system. So it was probably a good reminder that um, just providing the tools was insufficient. And even though we had asked them what we thought would be an experiential way of, of practicing by introducing themselves within the platforms, it was really insufficient for them to learn how to use it. So we need to work better on, um, on knowing that just because our students are digital natives, they don't necessarily know how to operate within a, a particular platform. And I thought that was a good learning. Yeah, and I think that's a really common observation and certainly sits with my um, understanding of, um, I guess, digital natives being quite a, a flawed concept because as, as you've picked up, it's um, there's a big difference between using social media and using technology for those personal connection purposes um, and um, living your professional life online and um, using even some of the same platforms, but for quite different purposes. Um, so I think that's a, a valuable reminder to, to think about what we are trying to achieve and make sure we're um, having those conversations with our students and supporting them accordingly. Um, but ultimately, Karen, the, um, the purpose of your project and designing the online clinic was to create that experiential learning experience, experiential learning experience, that's what a mouthful, um, but to, to really open that up for students who might not normally have the opportunities to um, participate in your in-person or on-campus clinics. So did you achieve that, that purpose? How did you go on those lines? I think we really did achieve that. Uh, we had a great spread of students. So I had a number of students um, who are, were from regional Victoria and really had not um, engaged themselves um, at Burwood or Waterfront because they lived uh, remotely. And so I was able to engage with those students in a way that I think was really helpful for them. I heard a number of students who said, I'm the first one in my family to study law. I don't have an uncle in a firm to tell me how to get an interview. I don't know where to start. And so I was able to help them a bit one-on-one, -on -one, kind of say, you have all the tools you need, but let's figure out how to use them. Really quite happy with that. Um, so I think that was one thing that was really beneficial for those students. They would never have been able to take this type of um, clinic because they just couldn't get into the CBD. Um, surprisingly, I had a number of students um, registered with our disability uh, resource officer. So a number of students with learning access plans. That was fortuitous. Um, we had not designed our program specifically to accommodate students, but the way that we had designed it to be um, available to a broad swath of students made it possible for students who um, had some challenges in learning to be able to engage in, um, in a, 
experiential learning in a way that I don't think they would have been able to access otherwise. And so um, it was a good learning for me to work with those students to figure out how we balance hard deadlines um, with some real needs to have flexibility in their um, daily work schedule. So that was a great opportunity, I think, for those students as well as myself to think about how do how would I accommodate um, those needs in a workplace and, and which ones could be accommodated and how we might do that. So that was a good learning for me and helpful to the students as well. Um, something that I really love about Law Clinic is that I always get as much out of the students, I think, and out of the experience um, as my students do. So back to thinking about the conversation about digital natives, um, the students bring a richness to this experience and the work product ultimately was so much more than I could have ever drafted myself if I were to submit something. Um, for example, they, we, we brainstormed at one point about um, how could we how do we even know whether or not there's bias within the system? And the student said, wouldn't it be really cool if there was just an app that was kind of like, how often do the trains run on time? Let's build a dashboard for what that looks like. And so, you know, within an hour, they whipped up this little infographic on like what it could look like um, for us to be able to have some metrics around um, a more diverse judiciary. And so I think that they can bring, they always bring this, this richness of perspective that is so important when we think more broadly about these types of projects. So I was quite delighted with the full experience. I think that the students would say the same. We had a huge number of challenges in the middle. Um, there were many, many dark days for students where they felt it was overwhelming and too much and too much work and a big struggle. Um, but at the end, I'd say um, pretty much every student came to the realization that they learned quite a bit. And how do I know this? We baked that into the assessment as well. So students in a law clinic, um, as part of their assessment, have journal questions. So they're required to track their time just like they would in a law firm every day that they're in clinic. And then they have reflective questions that they answer each week. And that's part of their assessment. So at the end of the trimester, they submit to me their journal, which includes um, a minute by minute tracking of the work over the trimester. It sums the amount of time that they spent over the trimester doing the work. It sums the work that they did, the skills that they've learned, and then they have the opportunity to reflect on how they take those skills and transfer them to the workplace. And so I'm able to see how every student um, experienced the clinic in real time. And I think we can learn some really interesting things as Deacon academics. Um, for example, every single student said, this is like the most work I've ever put into a unit. And to a T, the average hours spent were 150 hours in the trimester. That's exactly what we ask our, of our students. And these are top achieving students who apparently never put in that much time. So I think we can um, see that there's some different expectations between academics and students at that point. But also it's a great opportunity because I can go back now and really um, 
my my colleague Nicole, who will be teaching in trimester three, we've already taken a look at what's happened within the last trimester so that we can further identify places where students struggled, where we can provide more support and where we can see um, improvements for future iterations. Fantastic. It sounds like it was a very successful undertaking, even if there um, are a few tweaks that you would like to make for the future. Um, so Karen, thank you so much for joining us today to, um, to update us and tell us about how it went. Um, is there anything you'd like to, to leave us with before we finish up today? I would just like to thank you, Joe, directly for uh, letting me um, ramble away about uh, the current project that we've been so delighted to be able to work on. And um, I'm, of course, available if anyone ever has any questions about the pieces and parts of our integration of this unit. Um, I think I probably said as my final words last time, and I would reiterate again this time, that being able to access the HEP funding that allowed us to have some teaching buyout, to think strategically about these types of teaching questions in advance is what made it possible to really um, think about the needs of students in a new and different way. So, I, there's lots of research out there, loads of research out there about emergency online teaching during COVID. And that's not what this project was about. This project was much more third generation or fourth generation. How do we be deliberative about engaging students in an online space? And so probably my, my hope is that administrators and those who manage people's schedules and who know about the work of learning designers can give academics themselves the space to work with our learning designers and to think strategically about those models um, and how uh, they can really serve students in a new and different way if we can make the space to have that happen. Definitely something to consider as we go forward. Karen, thank you once again very much for joining us today. Thanks, Joe.